Diane, it is so lovely to talk to you. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. So am I, because Diane Lamb, she is a hidden resource. I mean, she's a little bit like Alfred behind Batman, but I do need to find a much better female analogy because she is the hidden resource behind a lot of six-figure female entrepreneurs getting to seven figures. She's a speaker, she's a trusted strategist, and she helps high-achieving online service-based female entrepreneurs uh, scale up to seven figures even though they might be near burnout. She helps them deal with their burnout so they can grow their business. I have so many questions for you, Diane. You have been featured in Forbes. What happened there? Oh, it was great. So um, Forbes actually reached out because they were looking to do an article on some of the mistakes that um, you know new leaders or managers make when they're building their teams. Um, and you know, I was able to provide some expert insight into how to really manage a team, especially when you're running it online. You know, there's a lot of things that are lost um, in translation when you're doing things in Slack or just communicating via email. Um, so I was really able to kind of give them a little bit of insight around building processes around how your team communicates. And that in and of, of itself can eliminate almost half of the communication errors and the issues that you have within your team, especially when you're working remotely. So that was really exciting. I was so glad to be able to do that with them. It's a very prestigious uh, thing to be able to say you're in Forbes. We must make sure we get the link to that because it sounds like something I definitely want to read. You've spent over 15 years mastering the art and science of systems and operations. I never thought of SOP as having art. So that was a wonderful way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. You've got an extensive background. You launched five multi-million dollar hedge funds. Would you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, a lot of my background was trial by fire. Um, you know, <laughs> I was very lucky to be working on Wall Street when I got out of college. I worked with a number of sales guys, a lot of entrepreneurs, um, you know, financiers who just needed a partner. They love doing the sales stuff. They love doing the capital raising. They love coming up with the ideas, but execution and building the actual entities running and operating these funds and these businesses were never really their interest. Um, so it was a little bit of a match made in heaven in that I am really good at building the operations and figuring out how we can move forward, how we can move forward and scale things um, so that we're not constantly you know, working in the business all the time. And so I was able to partner with a lot of people on Wall Street. I got a lot of experience, um, you know, doing things and working on, you know, financial vehicles that most people don't see in their entire careers. Um, so it was a very, very enlightening experience. And that gave me a lot of the background that I take into my business now in terms of, you know, how do you operate a business? What are ways that you can, you know, streamline so that you're not constantly having to be in the business all the time. Um, and those are things that I very much take and apply to my client base now. Diane is an empire builder, and she's not talking about Star Wars. She's talking specifically about building empires for female entrepreneurs. Why the switch? Why the switch from Wall Street to now working for yourself? Well, you know, I think I was, I came to a point in my career where I realized I had made a lot of money for a lot of men. 
And I didn't see a lot of women at the table. Often I was the only woman in the room. I was the only woman that had a seat at the table and was hearing these conversations and, you know, had an active hand in building these things. And, you know, I got to a place where it's like, I want to see more people who look like me, who, you know, have the same background I do, who are sitting at this table with me. Um, it was kind of a lonely space, especially the longer I had been in my career, the further I went, um, it was just fewer and fewer women. And I was like, you know what, this needs to change. So I made it my priority when I started my business to focus on women because women are powerful and we can do such amazing things um, if we have the opportunity to do it, right? And I, that, that's very, very important to me um, in terms of what I was going to do as an entrepreneur. Diane, can I just, can we just take a minute to applaud Diane? If you're, if you're listening to the podcast, pause and applaud. What a beautiful reason for moving uh, over to what you do, to be able to help women operate their companies like Fortune 500 companies so that they can increase revenue, so they can cut their workloads, so they can, even if, if, you know, for some women to be able to work less than 20 hours a week so they can queue more family time. What a gift you are giving to women out there. So let's just take a minute and applaud because this is absolutely amazing and women are the answer to everything. So I love one of the things you said, you have actually had clients and again and again, go from 8K months, which I'm, I'm impressed by, to 25K weeks, even though they were sipping a Mai Tai in Bali. I love the fact that you put a Mai Tai in Bali because I know how much you love to travel to Asia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So you, and this is all down to systems and processes or, or partly to do with that? It's, it's both. So my sustainable framework, you know, my framework for sustainable scaling is the systems. You need the systems to be able to delegate, to be able to be, to have a roadmap to what your tech and your automations really look like. So systems are a big piece of that. And the tech and the automations, the software that you use is the second component to my sustainable scaling framework. You need to be able to streamline. You can't, you can't scale if everything's being done manually, right? So making sure that you have the right softwares, that you have the right automations to scale and, you know, execute your processes in a efficient manner is super important. And then finally, the last component of this is the support team. You know, if you want to have the thriving business and you want to, you know, not be the one who's constantly working on it on your own, then you need to have a support team and there need to be people who can execute those systems and use those softwares efficiently for you. So my whole methodology is around the systems, the software, the automations, and the support team so that you can scale sustainably. It's a matter of having all three of them. If one of them is out of balance, then it's you become it becomes harder to scale. Um, the business still feels heavy. You really do need all three, and there needs to be a balance between all three of them um, in order for your business to really run like a machine. Do you find women are less likely to reach out for help and support to men? Because uh, I feel like we've been indoctrinated to think that we have to do it ourselves. I think to a certain extent, and that's kind of also why I wanted to do this with women, because I think as, you know, women have families and a lot of my clients, you know, do have kids, um, they were like, well, it's so hard to do it all, to have everything, you know, something has to give. And usually that's my business. Um, you know, I can only take it so far because, you know, I have to put, I, I want to give time to my family, to my children, um, to my partner. And, um, you know, I do think that there is that indoctrination that women 
have to do certain things. They have certain obligations um, outside of their business that really holds us back. But for the most part, I find that women are also quicker to say like, you know what? I need someone else to do this. This is not my jam. This is not for me. <laughs> I need I need someone else to do this for me. This is not my area of expertise. Um, so, you know, kind of liken it to, you know, men who don't want to ask for directions. Um, I find that women are more willing to ask for those for the help once they get past the, you know, well, I'm supposed to do this on my own. I'm supposed to, you know, give everything to my business and my family. And I think that is a bigger challenge kind of within you know, women being as they grow up and then also part of our society. And by providing them with all the support and a dream team, they can work on their business and not so much in it, which is which is fantastic. I'm going to circle slightly back to tech. I couldn't resist. I found this fabulous headline. I think it was on your Instagram. How to waste $10,000 on small biz tech. And I was like, oh my gosh, have I wasted money on my small biz tech? Do you find that, that do you, I think you said somewhere that it's really important to get the tech right at the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit more about, about wasting money on tech? Yeah. So, you know, it's really easy. Like you have to remember that all tech and all of the resources that we find online are marketing in some format, right? Whether it is a review, a product comparison on YouTube, or even on the uh, software website, it's all marketing. So they're never going to say, this is actually a terrible tool if you fit <laughs> these categories, right? It's never going to like, you know, this tool is not going to be able to help you automate your proposaling process. It's never going to say that on, you know, any web page or any document or any video or ebook or whatever you're reading online. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. And a lot, just because a tool works for a friend, a coach, a colleague, or someone else you know, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work in your business because your business is unique to you and the way that you do things. And those tools need to wrap around the way that you particularly do things um, within your business. And that's where I see a lot of people who, who come to me saying, well, my coach uses this tool and it's freaking great. Like, why isn't it working for me? Like, I don't understand why this is so hard. Well, because your business doesn't operate the same way that your coach does. And you want to use this tool in a way that it doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have the features. It doesn't have the capability to do the things that you want. So you shouldn't have choos- chosen this tool at all to begin with. Um, and so that's where I see a lot of wasted tech, a lot of annual subscriptions are purchased and they're like, oh, well, I'm sorry. Like you, this tool actually does not do what you want it to do at all. So there's, yeah, you wasted the subscription and we got to pick something else. That's where I see a lot of wasted, um, you know, money. And especially like if you don't know how to set it up and you hire someone to set up the tool for you and they don't ask the questions around, Hey, is this the tool that you actually need? Um, that's where I see a lot of challenges because a lot of people will just hire a consultant or someone to do the setup for them, but they won't actually realize like, hey, this isn't the tool to begin with. Um, this isn't what I need. This isn't going to support my business. And that's where I see a lot of the challenges and a lot of the wasted um, dollars in the tech side. Mm, it's putting the cart before the horse. I went back over my uh, expenses for 2020 and I, I upskilled on about 15 different software systems and I'm sure about 10 of them were redundant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and again, that, that, that affects your overheads. Uh, I'm, I'm going to circle back to something you, we, we talked about. Women who are hitting six, six figures, which is perceived to be a great. Uh, you and I know that's not always enough. 
that women really need seven figures in order to be able to impact the world around them. But you say by the time that they've hit six figures, six figures, obviously, uh, sorry, not obviously, they are often approaching burnout. And that can be what's stopping them from hitting seven figures. And I think I saw you say uh, on one of your posts, there are five things to do if you're experiencing work burnout. Would you like to talk about burnout and maybe give us a couple of tips? Yeah, you know, I am a tiger baby. I mean, I definitely had the model tiger parents. So <laughs> living at the edge of burnout has always been, you know, status quo for me. Um, and it wasn't until I was really in my business that I started to examine that and realize like, you know, there's a different way to operate. There's an easier way to operate. Um, and I think that when we're in our businesses, we always see are the glitz and the glamour, you know, that are, again, are posted out there as marketing for, you know, coaches, influencers, other programs, other tools, everything, right? And we think, oh, when I hit six figures, it'll just get easy. It'll, it, I'll, I'll have the private jet. I'll be able to travel. I'll be able to do all the things um, that I see people posting about online. And that's just not the case, right? And trying to make more, to generate more, and to really keep up with that lifestyle, to have that you know, entrepreneurial lifestyle that we see posted about on social media, um, it really takes a lot more money and a lot, a lot more revenue um, and a, build, a bigger business than we originally think. And trying to catch that and trying to create that, especially if you're on your own, is exhausting, right? Um, so for me, combating burnout really comes down to taking the pause and really evaluating what are you committed to? in your business and stripping away what doesn't really work for you. Because let me tell you, you can make a million dollars doing almost anything in almost any model that you want. So kind of get that thought of like, oh, I have to do it this one way. Um, I have to use the Ascension model or, you know, I have to scale in this way out of your head because there's a million ways to make a million dollars and choose the easiest path there. You know, we could almost stop there. There's a million ways to make a million dollars and choose the easiest path. And believe me, I'm going to be talking to you about this offline. But I wondered if one of the ways you deal with burnout is you only work with a few clients each month. It's a it's a high touch, highly personalized and concierge approach. So you obviously practice what you preach. But is one of the ways you deal with burnout, you're traveling to Asia, which I'm guessing is a little bit has been a little bit on hold in the last couple of years. Yeah, my travel has definitely been on hold. This is probably the longest amount of time that I've ever settled in one place. Um, but I kind of enjoy it. I realize, like, you know, I do like staying in one place. I do like putting down, I like settling in, I like unpacking my suitcases. Um, one of the ways that I used to deal with, with burnout was definitely kind of shaking up my routine, getting out and traveling, um, experiencing different cultures, different places, um, but also taking that time to just stop. It's okay. Everything, no, there's nothing that is unsolvable, unfixable. Um, and really taking that time to take care of myself um, and reestablish what it means for me to be successful to me, for me to like have made, quote unquote, made it as an entrepreneur. I think those were really, really key pieces for me in terms of being, giving myself the freedom to say, hey, I don't want to do this or I'm going to stop now. I'm going to turn off my computer at two o'clock. I need to take a break. I need to have a nap or, uh, you know, I, I cannot have a call before 9 a.m. Pacific time, things like that. Once I reset the way that I thought about my success and, you know, my identity as an entrepreneur, that's where I started to really see the big shifts in taking care of myself and really kind of pulling back from that constant state of like almost burnt out. 
Mm. I'm sure those Mai Tais and Bali also helped. <laughs> yes, yes. Those are also key, like key ingredients. Part two, right? That, that was step two. So what, what is one tip you'd give to, I mean, what, what you, what is one tip you'd give to a female entrepreneur? You're talking to her, she's incredibly burnt out. What, what's maybe the first thing you tell her to do? Rest, right? Like, so the first thing you should do is like, okay, follow those signals, like rest, like the business will continue. Yes, you, you can take a break. You can turn off at a reasonable hour, but more importantly, rest and recharge yourself because nothing else will happen. No matter how much you want it to, no matter how much you push, no matter what resources you hire, if you as a leader are not able to show up because you're so burned out and exhausted, nothing else will happen. So the first thing is to like, take that, be, give yourself the opportunity to rest and recharge yourself so that you can show up and be strategic about, you know, how you're going to get yourself out of burnout and kind of pull back from that edge. And please, please get enough sleep. Yes. Women don't tend to sleep enough. Yes, exactly. Rest. Like I love a nap at two o'clock in the afternoon. Like the best thing. (laughs) I'm right there with you, preferably in a hammock. Uh, I was wondering, I love the fact that you mentioned something. How did somebody from Wall Street get to be into woo? Because you and I are both into practical woo. That is such a good question. I think it was something that evolved in me as I was on my entrepreneurial journey. You know, I really thought that I had it all figured out because I had run so many businesses while I was in my career, while I was in corporate. I built so many different Um, departments and business structures and financial vehicles. I really thought that I had it all figured out. And when I became an entrepreneur for myself, I realized that there was something missing. Like I, I couldn't quite find my footing. And it wasn't until about a year I was into my business that the spiritual side of business actually came out into, came into play where I realized it's like, there's nothing wrong with my strategy. There's nothing wrong with my business. I'm the thing that's holding it back. I'm the thing, you know, my mindset issues, some of my fears around, you know, being visible, um, you know, a lot of the mindset issues that I held on within myself that were really actually celebrated while I was in corporate were not serving me as an entrepreneur. And that really opened the door to the woo, to the spiritual side, to examining my mindset um, and kind of making that shift uh, in myself so that I could free myself and really be visible and, um, you know, spread the message that I have with no shame. And, you know, this is what it is. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm here to sell. So I have no shame about that. Absolutely. You can meditate your way to a million dollars. And you, I, I, I think I saw that you attend sound baths, which sounds fascinating. But what is a sound bath? A sound bath is, oh, it's so amazing. I really, really wish, um, you know, we were able to do them live. Well, where I am at right now in Seattle, um, there are no live sound baths really happening. Um, But it is when you go into a studio or an area where they have um, a number of different sound bells um, and you lie down, you are able to just totally unwind. You can cover your eyes. You get really cozy with blankets and bolsters. Um, and they play these sound bells while you're kind of lying there and in a meditative state. It is just so such an amazing experience to feel the vibrations mm. of those bells kind of going through your body and energetically. I can't, I mean, 
it's the most amazing feeling. I swear I left my first sound bath mm-hmm. and that night I was lying in my bed. And I thought I could like, I couldn't, I had to close my eyes because I felt like my body was glowing. Like my energy was so lit up from that sound bath. It was amazing. It sounds incredible. Here's to Wall Street. Whoa. I have a question. I have had so many people recommend to me lately that I get an OBM, which isn't a medal. It's short for online business manager. But I saw a post of yours pushing back at that. Would you tell me why? It depends, right? Like, I think that a lot of business owners hire because they say it's the next step. Well, first I need a VA. And then when I need more experience or the business still feels heavy, then I'll hire an OBM because more experience equals more free time for me. Like, I think that's that's the rationale that a lot of uh, business owners have out there. But a lot of the times it really comes down to, well, what work are you actually getting? Um, what What work is actually clogging up the business right now, you know, an OBM is sometimes not the best role for that kind of for, for what the challenge is. Like I, for example, I had a client who runs an agency and they were like, well, we hired a bunch of VAs and now we need more expertise because we're still not getting time back. So let's hire an OBM. But the OBM wasn't the role they needed. When I came in to work with them, they actually needed an account manager, someone who was skilled in a very particular way and worked in running agencies and working with clients. And their OBM wasn't going to do that for them. That was not their role. That's not what an OBM does. So they they essentially hired an OBM and it wasn't fixing the problem that they actually had within their business. And it wasn't fixing the fact that they were still stuck managing a lot of the accounts. And that did that's why they were not able to really get out of the business and take their time back. So I think um, a lot of people hire in terms of like, oh, well, this is the next step for me because this is what my business has grown. But when the hiring question is really, what role do I need to free up more of my time now to help me make more money, um, to really take over what is overflowing on my plate? And sometimes that isn't an OBM, right? So that's kind of one of the big challenges that I have with the immediate next step being hiring the OBM. Mm, no, that makes total sense. I, I'm trying to work out what I need at the next stage of my development. And and you know, as, as you pointed out, you know, we, we look at what our friends are doing, we look at what, what uh, other people in our community are doing, and they may not be the right solution specifically for us, just like other people's tech might not be the right tech for us. I, I forgot to mention Diane's website, dianelam.com. Her last name's lam.com. And it, she's got the most fascinating um, quiz that you can do, which I'll get back to in a minute. But to work with Diane, I, I see you've got some extensive services. And one of them was that dream team intensive. We were talking about a dream team. I, I know people can apply for a free systems assessment first, which is a real gift. So they can book, if you're a female entrepreneur, you're making six figures, you want to get to seven, do book a free systems assessment uh, call with Diane. It's on her website. But would you tell me a little bit more about your dream team intensive? Yeah, so this incentive is really geared towards, you know, those entrepreneurs who are ready to grow their teams. Um, You know, maybe they've been working with freelancers one off, maybe they have a little bit of a skeleton team, they maybe work with a couple of contractors, but never really had a core team behind them. Um, So this intensive is really about systemizing that whole process around okay, let's develop the dream team formula. What are the roles that we need to hire? Um, What's going to help us right now? And then what is the order that we should then hire 
um, and onboard roles so that we are totally supported and we can have more free time within the business. So we start there and then we systemize the hiring process so that, you know, every job description, we know exactly how to do that. Every interview, we know exactly how we're going to do that. And it takes the whole hiring process from, you know, 20 hours over two or three weeks down to two hours and one week. Um, and before they're actually making a hiring decision and onboarding someone within their team. And then also making sure that those people that they hire show up for them are really um, set up to be successful. Cause that's an area where I see um, a lot of business owners get really excited. They're like, yes, I hired this person that I hired is going to know exactly what to do. And they don't do anything to really onboard them. Mm -hmm. And that's where we see a really, really long onboarding periods where we see uh, like, you know, pushback around, oh, my VA is not doing a job. My OBM is not doing a job. I don't feel supported. All of those challenges come out of the lack of like onboarding, because let me tell you, like if, if anyone listening to this gets nothing else from this podcast, just know that just because you hire expertise doesn't mean that they're not going to need onboarding as well, because it doesn't matter if you hire the, the most basic VA or if you hire the most experienced consultant they still need to understand your business. They still need to get to know you. And it's up to you how long that takes, whether you have a clear cut process for how you onboard them and introduce them to your business, or you kind of let them figure it out on their own, which takes a lot longer. There has to be some indoctrination period. Um, And that's where you're really going to be able to see success and see traction very quickly is if you give them that information up front. Oh, absolutely. I've been working with, and it takes time uh, i've been working with my va for a year now and i had to learn how to work with a va as a new entrepreneur and I, I i go with the basic premise that if there is a mistake made i haven't onboarded properly i haven't trained properly or i haven't given clarity so i always check my side of the street before i go any further and and we're, we're learning together because this person is is intelligent and entrepreneurial spirit and, and really onto it so it's the but yeah, onboarding uh, and I'm basically repeating what you said. Excuse me, I was just thinking about my own experience, all the mistakes I made. Yeah, <laughs> through learning through learning how to actually be a good employer. So you also offer fully built foundation and you're, you are standing, I'm not on your website, and you're standing with bricks behind you. But I'm not sure if that's deliberate or not. There's a lovely photo of you with a brick wall and I'm thinking, okay, bricks, foundation. I, was that deliberate? Uh, you know, actually that is, you're just, you're mentioning it to me now. I'm like, oh, that wasn't, that's, I was like, that's a very happy, happy surprise, happy coincidence. <laughs> that turned out exactly <laughs> like that. Well, I love the synchronicity. Would you tell me a little bit more about the Fully Built Foundation service? Yeah, this is my flagship service. And this is really what my, most of my clients come to me for, where they are, they know they are not going to build the systems. They know that they're not going to document. They know that they are not the ones to, you know, dive deep into the tech, map out what the automations are, or, you know, research all the tools that could possibly work to, you know, systemize their business. They are not that person. Um, and they need someone who's going to build it for them. They need someone who is going to document all the systems, build out the process maps, who is going to train their team, um, you know, who's going to give them the top two choices for any software and then 
show them exactly how they're going to be connected and automated. Um, so this is a fully done for you service. So this is where my clients come in. They're like, I, I, I need someone else to do this. This is not my jam and I need you to build it for me. Um, so we do it workshop style over the course of three months. We build all of their marketing systems, all of their sales systems, their client management systems. You know, we build the systems around how they deliver their, their services. And then we also, um, we also develop their internal operations. So anything outside of, you know, how they generate money, how does the business operate? We create systems and we document and test everything for them. Then we finally wrap up and train their team. So when my, me and my team roll off that project, at least 50% of the work has been delegated um, to other key resources. And that frees up a ton of time um, for my clients. As you were saying, many of your clients can save up to 50% of their time. Imagine imagine what you could do with those extra hours every week. I'm sure everybody out there is imagining what they could do with some extra hours in the week. Hey, you've got a really fun quiz on your website, which I'm taking the minute we finish this. Would you tell me about it? Yeah, I, so I'm a millennial. I love a good BuzzFeed style quiz. I think they're really fun. And, <laughs> um, so what I thought about, well, what, you know, how do I introduce people to systems in a really fun way? Um, because let's be honest, systems can are not very, are not particularly sexy. Um, so I, I thought of the quiz and, you know, these are a lot of the challenges that a lot of my business, uh, a lot of business owners come to me with. And so a lot of it is around, well, what is stopping you? from getting to your next 100K. And usually there's a breakdown in the back end. Once you've gotten traction, you know, once you have clients, once your business is actually operating, a lot of the challenges in terms of getting to that next uh, revenue milestone are really internal to the business. They're really in the back end. So this is really helping suss out, well, what part of the back end really needs to be looked at? What really needs adjustment? And so we can, they kind of boil down to a few different places within your back end. And so I kind of, I outlined those, those different places and kind of some getting started steps. Like if you're going to fix this, here are a few ways to get started. If it's your infrastructure or if it's your tech or if it's your team, or if it's, you know, the next uh, evolution of your business, um, you know, if those are the kind of the big challenges, here's how you would fix those things to really, you know, Take care of the low-hanging fruit so you can get to the next level. And it, it looks so much fun. I mean, it's it's such clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> I think systems are sexy. Systems keep my business running when I'm not available. I love systems. They are sexy, sexy systems. We get this with this quiz, the number one system keeping you from your next 100K. I mean, who couldn't click when you read that? Not to mention it tells you the one system you do need to level up your business. So I'm going to be taking this immediately <laughs> after. Uh, if somebody books a free systems assessment call, would you tell me a little bit about what, what to expect? Yeah. So this is a great time for us to just really understand like, okay, well, what's going on in the business and where do you want to be? What are the gaps that are coming up? And, you know, can I help you? This is a great time for me to really outline like, okay, here are the big issues that I'm seeing. Um, and if you want to fix this, if you want a solution, I'm happy to talk about that as well. Um, it is really kind of highlighting like, where are the gaps between where you are today and where you want to go, because there, I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter what, you know, the, 
what your model is. There's, it really only boils down to a few different service models. Um, everyone thinks it's a little bit different from them, but it's like, you know, <laughs> service businesses operate, you know, generally the same way. Um, so, you know, understanding that and seeing all those models in the past, like, okay, I can kind of see what the pathway is and what the areas are that are going to be pitfalls in the future. And if you want help, then let's talk about what it's going to look like so that you have a bridge to overcome those gaps. Um, otherwise, I can tell you exactly what they're going to be and what to look out for. Um, that's what we really go over during that systems assessment is like, okay, if this is where you are and this is where you want to be, these are the pitfalls that you really need to look out for. And if you want help, we can definitely talk about that. And a lot of the times I find when you're having that conversation, so much clarity comes just as as the person is speaking to you, they start to actually come to insights on their own and you can then take them on the next steps. But just talking out loud, just call Diane and talk about it. <laughs> that would be your first step. <laughs> DianeLamb.com. Uh, she's also on Instagram and obviously goes straight to LinkedIn, which is a great way to connect with people. And I love this quote from Diane, which I think we should end on. Diane says, I believe an empire starts with a conscious decision to have it. So here's to all women out there making seven figures because women are the answer to everything. And imagine what we could do with a lot of money. Diane, thank you so much. I really appreciate you giving me your time today. Especially thank when you, you could have been on a beach. Especially when you could have been on a beach with a mic <laughs> Thank you. It was great to be here. I'm so happy to have had this chance to chat with you. Bye. Bye-bye.